solemnly swear that I am up to no good. Bum, bum, ba, bum, 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 bum. Welcome to another episode. I'm Molly. And I'm Alex. And, and this, is this is Potter Watch. We are continuing with the play Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. What a great play it is. Um, yeah, so I hope you listened to last episode so you're caught up on where our feelings are and what's happening in this play, which admittedly, thinking about like plot, not a lot happened in the first eight scenes, which is fine. We're doing some establishing scenes. Some? Some? We're establishing the tone of the play. (laughs) Yes. The tone of bad. You're so right. I'm just kidding. I do have to, I have to say though, I felt like I ate some of my words though, reading these. Yes. Some, some things I did say, okay, I understand, but not all of them were fixed. Not all of them, but I pulled back on one character in particular, I pulled back. And then another character, I was like, okay, I'm going, going hard on this. Okay, well, well I'm, I'm interested because I feel like I only remember, like, one instance, but. My first note is, okay, I take back what you said last episode. <laughs> About um, what? Well, let's just set the scene, literally. Okay, you set the scene. Do you, do you, um, should I set it or? You set it, yeah. Okay, so act one, scene nine, Harry and Jenny Potter's house bedroom so the last thing that we saw was harry and and albus got into a fight harry's like i wish you weren't my son and then he has a dream about the dursleys Mm -hmm. and hagrid and Voldemort's like whispering sweet nothings into his ear at the end (laughs) a perfect retelling um and so then this ep- this scene is Jenny or Harry waking up from that dream and Jenny is like, I know something's wrong. And Harry's like, no, I'm fine. My scar doesn't hurt at all. And she's like, uh, okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so that that's actually my first thing that I'm saying I'm pulling back on because I remember last episode, I was like, well, they don't even give Jenny a character. And I was wrong about that. They give Ginny a lot of character stuff, especially in these few scenes, like in this. Yes. I think Ginny has a character. I just am not always sure that that character is Ginny or if it is book Ginny. I feel like sometimes it's Bonnie Wright's version of Ginny. So it's like bits and pieces of her, but like, it's just the, for me, it's just the way she says things. And maybe I'm so specific about it because I write a lot of fan fiction that includes Jenny. I love Jenny. I have very strong feelings about her voice. But. Well, I liked her in this scene. Like, I like her in it. I think she's doing good. I just like, like, for example, I have a quote of something I don't think she would say. Like, I don't think that she would say, that doesn't seem particularly fair on yourself. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, she would be like, that's not your fault. Like, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, I think that there, it's not, I mean, none of the adults are in the same voice, but like her, like being sarcastic, like, yeah, maybe don't be that honest. Like, yes, no, that, that felt 
very Holly, like her pushing back on Harry during this chapter. So it was more like the vibe felt right. Yes, me. the vibe definitely feels more Jenny than before. I just, I think she's just like archetypical, like mom, you know, like in, even though like, I just, yeah, I just don't feel like, like what makes Ginny a character is that she's like rash and like sometimes a little bit rude and you know like yeah and she cares a lot and she's loving and she's a little bit weird she has her best friend Luna Lovegood she wants her pygmy puff you know I just I don't see any of that and that's what it frustrates me I guess but you're right none of the adults are in their correct voices so I should really get over that well, I think you should. Go, I think we should keep pointing it out. But I guess in these ten scenes that we read tonight, of the adults, her and like Malfoy felt the most. I think Malfoy is very good, which makes yeah. me think that uh, whatever Jack Thorne or whoever, I feel like whatever fan fiction he was writing before this, it was fan fiction that was from Draco's point of view because I feel like he has his voice and how he would react as an adult down yeah you know like especially in (laughs) I have this note later when we meet him but like Malfoy's always at his worst when he's under a lot of stress (laughs) like we met him like not like pre-wife dying and he was like a much more understanding like cool-tempered man and now he's like fully like a mess yeah well you know in like the best way I think in a very I agree I agree in a very realistic way maybe my thing with Jenny is that I I'm able to let go some of that stuff in exchange for her like maybe this is like an adult softer mom version of Jenny in some ways like at least I feel like I can see where they got to her whereas like with Harry there's nothing no semblance of like the Harry we know and and maybe it's because Harry Ron and Hermione are all really hard for me in this obviously because we know them the best and like Ginny and Draco we get so much less of them in the original books I mean we obviously get their characters but like we spent we live with (laughs) the other three so much yeah like well those three like I I really talked about every single time when they weren't in their voice, like that would be all my notes. Like I can't yeah. even. My next note, my next note just says this scene is so miserable. Like it hurts me so much to like live with this Harry. Yeah. It like just hurts my feelings in yeah. the worst possible way. <laughs> or maybe it's also just in comparison but I did want to just pull back a little bit because I was being really hard about the Ginny in the first I, I don't think you were I was being like especially hard on Ginny in the first couple scenes so I was like I'm sure I was I'm too. gonna come back around on this and I think you're right I should give them a half a step up even though it's not perfect you know it's not the Ginny that I would want it's not how I really see how Ginny would handle the situation I think the bones of how she would handle the situation are there like I think she would fight back on Harry feeling sorry for himself I I really 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 love speaking again this is in a later scene um when that we get that she wrote to Malfoy and invited Scorpius like that that I gave points to uh, them in their notes because and I like I took back what I said last year about that. Like, yeah, same. I'm so happy that Jenny did that. Um, 
Yeah, for sure. That felt very realistic to me. So, um, and then meanwhile, Harry's just like doubling down. Like, I wish he was more like James and Lily in this scene where they're talking. I just, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense for Harry. Harry finds something to love about literally everyone. This is his child. So there's no way. And he even, I mean, his next line is like, I mean, I like that he's different or whatever, but like, and then Jenny does say something that I disagree with. She's like, you're putting up your Harry Potter front. And I'm like, he doesn't have a front. That is who Harry is. That is his whole character is that he doesn't I front. I know. I, see, see. I just spit see. on my book. <laughs> I, on accident. I didn't like spit, but it came out. <laughs> I just feel so attacked by this portrayal of Harry. I literally meant it. Like reading it made me miserable. There were times I groaned. Like anytime, anytime him and Albus, like that whole conflict just, like it, it seriously like punches me in the face. I'm like, that is not how Harry would behave. <laughs> Harry being like, you're still talking to me. Oh, to Jenny, yeah. That one I was like- That was oh, kind that, of funny. Yeah. <laughs> that was kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, just, I feel like Jack Thorne is like, there's another part that bothered me in this first scene where Harry quotes Dumbledore. Oh, oh I hate that. I hated it. Which I was like, whatever about him quoting Dumbledore, but then Jenny says like a strange thing to say to a child. child. And I was like, Jack Thorne, do not try and touch the original work here. Like you're not asked to explain away Dumbledore's character. We're doing that work on this podcast, okay? That is our job, Jack. Don't come for my job. Like, I know that we're coming for yours, but don't come for ours, okay? You don't have to, like, make a dig at Dumbledore on this. Like, we all, as the readers, know. Like, we don't need that. Like, it it just, all, sometimes, it's just cringy. Because sometimes when they try to do fan service, it's, like, too much. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, you're right. It is like a weird fan service, but a fan service that nobody wants. Nobody asked for, nobody wanted. We didn't need it. We didn't want it. We want to love Dumbledore. Like that is all the readers want is to love Dumbledore. Like you don't have to be like, that was weird. He was weird about his role with children. You know what else we didn't want? A weird, sorry. I hate everything about this section because the plot of this section is like the core fault of this series which is that it's so contrived how they go about getting Albus and Scorpius on this journey so I hate all of that because I just it it like just annoys me because it's like lazy writing (laughs) And, and again I know I said it last week but if you're gonna do more Harry Potter please just do good more Harry Potter you know, like, I don't understand why we had all of the potential, all of the resources in the world to make this an amazing play. And we ended up with this. And it was an amazing visual play, but we, like, Jack Thorne was not the only fan fiction writer that showed up that day. Right. You know, I just thought of a way I would have done all of this 
differently because we we talked about it briefly with the Amos thing and I was like I don't like the entry that we did with Amos and like we were talking about last time about like what gifts Harry should have given his kids and I had said the invisibility cloak for Albus but I take that back I think he should have given him the map and then he and Scorpius could have seen on the map blah 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 Voldemort or Riddle or whatever her name is that's not like that's Delphi's real name, kind of like the yeah. like, reusing the Mad Eye Moody and Scabbers yeah. plot, um, and saying like, "Oh, who is this? We should follow them." And then she leads them out of the castle, and then they follow her, and that's how they get out of the castle and stuff. Is like using the map. I think that's an amazing idea. Don't a much more interesting like, plot. A much better way to give a nod to the original books. And then, like, they could have found a different way to enter. They ran into Delphi, and she's like, no, I'm also, like, trying to figure this out. Like, this is who I am. And, like, they yeah. could have then teamed up with Delphi, but didn't realize that, like, that was a different person. Because at this point, the map doesn't work because they're off campus. But, like, I just, I, I feel like they could have done so many different things. But I couldn't think of it last episode. No, that's a really, that's a really good plan I do that's just if they wanted to do this bullshit like plot that they did do which I still don't agree with that but if they wanted to do this whole time turner thing I just would have gotten there a different way yeah I'm on scene 10 (laughs) yeah same this is I will um, say another light speaking of mouthful oh no go ahead I was just setting the scene we're on the Hogwarts Express again yes Another shining light, always Scorpius. What do you smell of? What do you smell of? That's what a weird thing to say, you 14 year old boy. I love you so much. I thought that it was like um, a Shakespeare reference, like what is in a rose? Like, but it wasn't even that. What do you smell of, bread? Flowers and bread. Everybody likes bread. You know who Scorpius reminds me of? And you've probably thought this in your head, but the um, characters from Aristotle and Dante, like he is Dante. Yes, he reminds me so much of Ari. Wait. Oh no, Ari, sorry, Dante. Dante. He reminds me so much of Dante. Yes. That's exactly. all I think of. That's I visualize the same person, and I don't even have a. And Albus is a grumpy little shit who has daddy issues, just like Ari. They should have gotten that guy to write this. Oh my god! Can you imagine? It would have been so much better. We would be sobbing at every turn. It would have been gay. Oh my god! <laughs> um, Why would you even say that to me? Sorry. No, it's okay. Now I just I feel very touched. Big turnaround for Rose. I kind of feel bad for calling her a bitch. Yeah. Because she like reaches out and she's like, look, are you okay? And even though she's like, yeah, your mom messaged my mom. She was being a bitch before though. So I don't feel bad about it. And I I have a feeling she's going to be a bitch again soon. So I'm not taking back my words, but I did give her points here. I was like, you're being a good cousin. Like, even if your aunt told you, she didn't have to do it. Right. And it seems like she's coming from a genuine place, even if she yeah. feels, like, forced. Yeah. Um, but speaking of homosexuality. Hug. 
do we hug? Is that a thing we do? I did you read the stage notes? Albus hugs his friend with fierceness. Period. <laughs> I just don't I feel like that's all very young queer person. Even Albus's like like I'm not saying only queer people have like teen angst or issues with their parents. But like that's he feels I don't know if I said this last week so if I did stop me. But like queerness growing up you feel very othered already. Like it's an it's another other that you feel. And especially if you have like parents that are like I think you know, notable in society to be the, you know, like you are, you having like feelings that aren't like traditional, like heterosexual feelings makes you feel angrier and puts a bigger gap between your, you and your parents, because you feel like no one will understand you because no one, nothing in society has prepared you for feeling that way. Yeah. Now, now, like, kids like, up like, now are exposed like, yeah. to a lot more like queer media and like being gay is like legal and stuff. So it's, it's more accepted now. So I, not that they don't have those same issues, but like, especially for Albus where he is in his life in the wizarding world, certainly he feels very othered. <laughs> so, um, anyway, I just feel like it, 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 it annoyed me when I first read it and it still annoys me now that I feel like these characters are so queer coded and like that, oh, I'm going to hug my friend. Like, is that a weird thing we do? Like people like don't talk like that yeah. <laughs> unless there's like something notable about the hug. Well, honestly, so that was the other thing I was going to pull back on is that I said in the last episode, like they portrayed Albus as like heterosexual, but I don't think they are like, I don't think there's any textual evidence and you, you definitely pushed back on that. And so like, I just wanted to be say like reading these scenes again, I was like, yeah, I don't think that they're portraying. I agree with you. Like, I don't think they're portraying that. I don't know if they're portraying him as gay either, but like, they're definitely not putting forth uh, I think he's whether he's bi or uh, figuring himself. I, yeah, truthfully, I don't think Albus knows that he's yeah. like queer right now. I just think like you, there's something you know if you that you're like this is not the way other people react to things. Like this right. hug shouldn't feel between me and my friend shouldn't feel weird. I don't know why it does. I don't know why. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not saying he knows. But I'm saying, I don't know. But that also felt, I mean, I this is probably not like the most topical reference for everyone listening, but this book called Aristotle and Dante is about two young kids that are both gay, but like kind of figuring their life out in Texas. <laughs> um, and um, that that this moment felt like from that book. Yes. It's it, like, is this okay? Is this like normal? Like, are we allowed to do this? Yes. Like, oh, uh, oh, uh, oh. Uh. It does. It feels, it feels just like that. And I don't know, I'm a little triggered. <laughs> I, I mean, I was 15 when I first had any feeling or 14. I was, I was freshman in high school when I had any feelings for a girl at all. And I didn't understand what it meant. I just like the next, I remember going to like like having dreams about her. And then I went to Christian camp and my counselor was like, you're not allowed to have those feelings for girls. And then, and so I just told myself I wasn't allowed to have them. And then the, the, 
person that I had a crush on was a senior. So they graduated. So the next year they came back to visit and we were close friends. And so when she came back to visit, she came and she brought a girlfriend and I just started sobbing like crying for no reason but that but the reason well the reason was that I was just like still in love with this person but I didn't let myself like intellectually like understand or interpret those feelings like I went on for my life for another like almost seven years thinking that I was straight I just didn't I like wouldn't let myself feel that way so I'm just saying even if Albus is like I just feel like there's an instinctual otherness that you feel that you are grappling with, even if you don't understand it. And that's what Ari and Dante is a lot about. So anyway, if you haven't read that book, you should read that book. It's a good book. (laughs) And I I think there's like an inherent self-consciousness if you're like, I'm, I'm saying I'm this thing. So I am very aware of like what I am portraying to make yes. that you also know that I am this thing. If I'm saying I'm straight, I want you to know I'm straight. So I'm thinking about how I'm acting around you probably. Right, part of exactly. That. Like maybe I feel the need to kiss my aunt five times. Oh, we will get to <laughs> like, we. That scene is so messy. I have so many feelings. Troubling. <laughs> it was troubling. <laughs> troubling troubling like I laughed out loud multiple times in that scene and not necessarily in a good way like I was just like oh my god clutching my pearls there were so many things to discuss but we're not there yet this there were a lot of notes today that um were just like sounds so I forgive me (laughs) this one says oh it's time in reference to the trolley I will one thing right before like leading up to the I'm not there I'm still in Santa they just mentioned her like she showed up that's where I am too yep so say what you were gonna say oh yeah just like leading up to it I I do agree or I understand Albus's logic here, where he's like, he has this like paragraph where he's like, my dad lied to Amos Diggory. So my dad is the bad guy and we have to do this thing because my dad is a liar. Like that teenage logic made sense to me. Like, I feel like I'm unfortunately understanding Albus a lot reading this because I was such a shit teenager. (laughs) Um, I understand him going that on the liar front, but I did have the question, um, how exactly um, was this Harry's mistake? Like he keeps saying, this is Harry's mistake. This is my dad's mistake. And I'm like, you're okay. No matter what way you tell that story, Cedric dying is not Harry's fault. But if he's like mad at his dad, he is confirmation biasing anything that will help him be mad at his dad. I just feel like Scorpius, I mean, Scorpius has doubt about this whole thing. He's just going along for Albus, which is another thing. But, um, but I feel like (laughs) Scorpius should have been like, I feel, I want you to feel your feelings. Uh, but, um, this seems like a you and your dad issue. And I don't feel like Cedric dying was your dad's fault. 
<laughs> like yeah. your dad has done other bad things. He did lie. And what he said to you was awful, but, um, he doesn't even know about that yet. No, but like, I feel like as soon as he hears about that, he should be like, we need to get out of this office. Right. I now. see what's happening. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's, it, it's not logical to like adults, but I think it's logical to him. I guess. Yes. Even yeah. the part about him being like, it's your fault that Cedric's dead. And like, I want it to be your fault. Cause I don't want you to be perfect. Like I'm, yeah. just, I hate you. <laughs> um, yeah. But Scorpio is saying, Ooh, a quiz. <laughs> Maybe my favorite part. He's so cute. Uh, also, he's such a Ravenclaw. I know. This is the most Ravenclaw character we've ever met. And Hufflepuff. Like him going yeah. along with Albus this entire time is such Hufflepuff energy. Like he is a Ravenpuff. That child doesn't have a Slytherin bone in his body except for the loyalty could be seen as Slytherin and not Hufflepuff. I but guess. Yeah. I guess. But it he it, he doesn't behave like that. And I also think him, he could have asked to be in Slytherin out of like pride, like for his dad and like his family. But he has dad issues too. So I don't think that's it. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that's him on the train. Albus is like, we gotta go. We gotta take care of this business and show my the world how shitty my dad is. Um, and then the trolley witch shows up on the top of the train like a fucking psychopath and starts throwing pumpkin pasty grenades at the children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, weapons. <laughs> she said, I spit, I just, we have to unpack some things that she oh, says. Here. We're gonna unpack. So first of all, <laughs> She says that she's been on this train for over 200 years. For 190. Almost almost 200 years, sorry. (laughs) Who has trapped this poor woman here? One. And two, why is no one trying to help her? Does she want to be helped? She, Molly... That train only runs twice a year. What does she do? Make pumpkin pasties for the other days? I, there's that. This is why I think when I first read it, I assumed she was a robot. That and the spikes that we'll get to right. later. Um, but then she says, I've spent all of my time making these treats for the children, but you didn't know what else they were. And so have the children of Hogwarts been eating grenades? Yes, that is correct. (laughs) The part I wanted to highlight was (laughs) Albus, which I thought this was nice. Well, she says, I don't remember the last time someone asked my name. So Albus says, what is your name? I've forgotten. But you know what she hasn't forgotten? The woman that hired her Adeline Gamble. That's a name she remembers. But she, she says it twice. Adeline Gamble set a, put a curse on her. 
Well, if they can put a curse on her not to leave the train, they can put a curse on the fucking train so that people can't leave and they don't have to throw cauldrons. That was my question. I was like, why isn't the train just magical that you literally can't get off of it? It's the stupidest, weirdest. Like, this kind of nonsense right here is what elevates this. Like, if I wasn't a huge fan of Harry Potter, this would be comically bad movie funny to me. Like, this is hilarious. Like, were they just trying to do, like, more effects on stage? Like, I was really confused on why it had to be, like, a train scene. It was so freaking weird because also the effects, like, aren't spectacular. It's a shadow. Like, yeah, I was like, I don't even remember how they did this. They do it, like, in shadow. So it's not even that cool. And it's so, so unbelievably dumb. And also, my biggest nitpicky note about this whole thing is there is no way that if it was as easy as like jumping through the water vent that um, uh, Fred and George or the Marauders couldn't have done it. I have no, no belief that Fred and George or the Marauders, inventors of the Marauders map, couldn't get past this grenade throwing trolley bitch. And I have such doubt that they would not be telling the story of the trolley witch and we would not have heard about it. Well, I also don't like those examples are obviously good because they're tricksters, but those are people that aren't trying to get off the train. Like they want to go to Hogwarts. Like you need to like look at a like a Severus Snape or somebody that's like not having a. Can you imagine if she was like Severus Snape never got? No, he probably did, and she doesn't even know. Yeah, that's true. Because Severus would have gotten past her. Um, and then Scorpius yells. Moliere at the end and I almost like had a conniption I was like is he saying some fucking painter are we going back to muggle world and then Siri Graf looked it up and it is a spell (laughs) I had the same exact reaction I was like how does this Draco mouth my son know who Moliere I was so mad That doesn't sound like the cushion eating spell is all I'm saying. That's a good quiz question. I feel trivia bad fun. if we ever ask trivia about <laughs> I feel bad because it's so terrible. Um, I yeah, but that that was a it was dicey. Now her spikes were particularly spiky. Where was she spiky before? And like, what is she? I think she has to be a robot. Now, John and I have gotten into an argument about this. Not like a real argument, just like healthy debate between I friends. I show, John. Yes. I think based on what we saw in the play with the shadow and the mention of spikes that she has to be like mechanical. A mechanical's not very wizard-like. I feel like if anything, she's like um, morphed into some sort of creature thing. I it has to be a spell because like yes, I yes. just don't think mechanical doesn't feel magical. 
It doesn't to me either. But also this book, this play doesn't like you. It's written by muggles. Yeah. Right. No, it, this is never existing in the Harry Potter world. Like this is not a thing. Yeah. That's my main issue is that I feel like they're trying to do like a fun side character thing and they've done it wrong. Like this is not how she who must not be named introduces quirky like creatures and characters like that. Like we wouldn't be having this discussion about what or who they are. Like we know the lore. We, somebody looks it up. Scorpius is supposed to be like our knowledge fountain right like he like she would have been like I've been towards a history right like he would have been like oh my gosh she's a insert what she is they are a blank 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 and then we would have like understood it more and it would have felt more like Harry Potter I don't know or if they wanted to really use the trolley witch then she could just be that a witch and use a wand and use a spell that would keep them in the train yes and we wouldn't have to be thinking about how hogwarts express has been poisoning the children right like you are a witch you don't need weapons outside of your wand it's that simple grenades are even too muggle really right exactly yeah Uh, You don't need other things because again, you have magic. (laughs) Like, I don't, I just, uh. (laughs) ah. Yeah, that was a lot. All right, scene 12. This is my note about Draco. (laughs) This is the press conference with Hermione. Yeah, so basically to sum it up, Draco's, they're having a press conference to announce to the world that Harry's scar is hurting again, which I'm with There's Draco. some other stuff. There's some other stuff. Yeah, but I'm a little with Draco, but that's stupid. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and Draco says, sounds like bullshit to me. And then he goes uh, on to his Draco rants because obviously veiled in, you know, if you speak Malfoy ease, He's really scared because this is only going to give more like weight to the rumors about Scorpius. And so he doesn't want this much pressure on it. Blah, blah, blah. Draco, Draco, Draco. I'm grumpy. And so then he is making a stink at the press conference and is like, that sounds stupid. And also like, why are we here? And why don't you focus on real business? And you guys just want to be back in the spotlight because Harry's name is fading which is so Draco that I can't so even Draco, speak yeah. about it. Like, so Draco. He's literally gone back to his third-year self. He's like, oh, yes, he loves the attention. <laughs> Potter. Yeah, he's which, like, uh, being prejudiced against those with a dark mac, are we, Potter? <laughs> like, um, <laughs> like, so Draco. And so I love this part because I feel like and other adults that were bad and get redeemed, like Snape, is like goes too far in redemption. Like he's like a not the person that he is. But Draco, I love that he's still a little shit, but he's like a little shit that's like a good dad and cares about his son. Like I, I really appreciate that about him that they were able to bridge that, uh, not bridge that gap, 
but you know what I mean. Yeah, and it makes sense that, like, Harry, of all people, would bring that, like, immature side out of him, too, because, like, that is his, like, trigger from his own teenage years. Yes, exactly. And, like, all of the back and forth, like, this is the most Harry, Hermione, and stuff that we get, like, there's all this back and forth. Jenny being like, I edit the sports pages. The sports pages? That was really funny. That, I will say that was really funny. I liked this scene. I, I think it's stupid that Hermione is announcing to the world as Minister of Magic that Harry's scar is hurting again. I also have a problem with his scar hurting again because the whole reason his scar was hurting before is because there was a horcrux in his scar and there's no longer a horcrux in his scar because the horcrux is dead. But that's fine. I don't think that's the only reason. What? That is fully the reason his scar was hurting. I guess, but I feel like it it was the Horcrux, but I also just feel like it was like the connection to Voldemort in general. I mean, we'll never obviously know. Because Because it doesn't hurt after the Horcrux is destroyed and he's still fighting Voldemort. Yeah, I mean, like... Which is what, 10 more minutes? <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, I'm just saying, like, I felt like the reason they had that strong connection was because also Voldemort is dead. Right. So it's just his daughter. So he doesn't have that connection with his daughter. So I, either way, I still don't think his scar should no, be. No, I think it's dumb, but like, I don't think it's some, like, I don't think that's like the reason the press conference is being called because it starts with Harry being a good horror and (laughs) um, talking about like this is what's happening on the ground does anyone know anything and then Hermione's like also just to add insult to injury Harry's scars hurting which is not great. Yes, no I'm just giving them a hard time because it does sound stupid but um but yes, I do think I'm glad that the Jack or whatever took into consideration that they wouldn't want to repeat the same mistakes that Fudge did about like not informing people. Yeah. So I like that about it. And overall, I really do like this scene. I think it's a very, uh, they're all behaving like themselves. And Ron having to be held back yeah. <laughs> from hitting Malfoy. Do you wanna, what does he say? Do you want to smack in the nose? Um, do you want to smack in the mouth? <laughs> like, that's not very Ron, because I feel like Ron would, like, curse or something. But I do feel like the impulse for Ron to, like, beat him up in response to insulting Hermione is extremely accurate. So I'm going to give it to him. Definitely. The next scene is scene 13. It's like them arriving at the home for old witches and wizards. I didn't have any like notes on this scene. Me either. Um, I skipped they are to scene meeting 14. up with Delphi. Hmm? I skipped to scene 14 in my yeah. So this is them actually talking to Amos and Delphi and stuff. I'm just trying to set the scene for the list. Yeah, no, we have to. Um, and they're talking about, like, they want to join him and, like, help and, like, confirm that the time turner exists and all that fun stuff. Um, I like this brief bit of admiration that Albus says about Harry, like, even without knowing it, that felt really realistic to me. Which um, 
he says it's not really admiration he was just like my dad proved that at any age you can be helpful yeah like it's like offhand respect that like I feel like makes a lot of sense for teenagers like that like something would just slip out even in your uh look at what he did at 14 or whatever yeah so I really like that um Um, we get some real talk from Scorpius where he says (laughs) um come on me if there's one thing we're good at it's knowing where we're not wanted Scorpio. <laughs> that is some real talk oh <laughs> uh, yes also albus has such severe middle child syndrome i'm sorry molly i'm sorry about i already that. said i feel like i really understand where Al is coming from for a lot of I'm really sorry it's just so clear that that's what this is about it's tough y'all it's tough being a middle child um you guys don't understand us and we we're really all misunderstood we're all othered for being middle children <laughs> Um, I got it. I got on a weird YouTube spiral the, <laughs> the other day where a mom of 10 was doing her morning routine. Okay, I'm sorry. A mom of 10? Correct. She has 10 children. A lot of them are adopted. It does not matter. 10. Yeah. That's too many. They call them like the Daughtry Dozen or whatever. That's their YouTube channel. And it's basically just her like doing morning routines and things like that and talking about what Who has the time? Huh? Who has the time? She, she doesn't edit the videos. They literally, it's just like an uncut, like they just set up a camera yeah. and she just does what she does in the morning and it makes them a lot of money, I'm pretty sure. So it's smart. You've got 10 kids, you got to feed them somehow. But I was like really watching her go through this whole routine in her kitchen and listening to the dad. First of all, the dad it was like, as she's doing this, like making lunches for 10 children and making breakfast for 12 people and feeding the dog, the dad had the nerve to be like, can I have some French toast? Like, could you make my plate? Like, Can I have a cup for water? I said, oh no, too. I was like about to go into the computer. I was like, make your own damn dinner. Anyway, so that's not the point that I was trying to make here, but <laughs> they were laughing because uh, they were like, um, everywhere we go, like everyone says that the youngest little girl is so cute and stuff like that. And she was like, should we have another kid just so that one doesn't feel entitled for being the youngest? <laughs> <laughs> like it was a joke, but it was really funny. Okay, well, that's obviously about the youngest child and not about middle children. Well, right, but then it made me it made me laugh because they were like, we need to knock her down a peg by making her one of their um eight middle children. Yeah, no, my parents are really good at like knocking me down a peg or two or five. Oh no. They're the enemy. They're liars. We need to show that they're bad people. <laughs> Alex, come with me. <laughs> Trust me, I know what I'm doing. Okay. <laughs> You know, I'm ride or die. I'd be like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> For different reasons than Scorpius. <laughs> um, this is what I would call looking for trouble. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. 
trouble Mrs. Weasley. I never go looking for trouble. My son does, though. <laughs> I do feel like Harry deserves to have a son like this. No, but that does this stuff like not that's why I think it's so cute that he wants to go on his own mystery and stuff like that I just wish that the family was happy and he can still be like angry and annoyed at Harry Albus can I just wish that Harry wouldn't rise to the bait you know they could have everything how it is and have Harry be a good person and a good parent it doesn't change yeah that would just make albus even more mad if he's saying all right. the things like imagine your scene with the marauders map where harry gives him the map and it's like and then albus reacts like oh another one of your treasures from your you know your old years like what makes you think i'd want this like oh another reminder that i'm not as good as you and all the fun things that you have at hogwarts a place i hate it's never gonna be my favorite place like it was yours stop trying to make it but then he goes and uses the map like that is so teenager yeah oh something made by all gryffindors and how they hated me as a slytherin like they probably wouldn't even want me to touch this yeah no you can be mad at literally anything as a teenager yeah you can find an excuse um yeah so I I was thinking the same thing when I was studying the notes today I was like Harry can be Harry and Albus can still be Albus like they don't have yeah you're absolutely right he doesn't have to rise to the bait or whatever I'm on scene 15 okay we're at one of my least favorite scenes, which is Harry and Jenny Potter's house, the kitchen. Unless, I'm sorry, did you have other stuff before we get there? And see from Pete, no, I'm, at the, I'm in the kitchen. Yeah, so this is like the, the three, four of them just talking about like what's going on with like Draco. And, and I guess they find out that... Uh, Oh, no, they find out at the end that they're missing. But they're just talking about the whole press conference and stuff. Yeah. I mostly just like this scene because of Ron. (laughs) Yeah. Um, This this is the character I hinted at earlier where I was like, I'm going deep on how much I hate how Ron was written. And it's mostly from this scene. Uh, yeah, I have that note. First, I have to give credit where credit is due that Jimmy did invite Scorpius yeah. to stay, and I'm excited about that, and I think that's nice. I already said it, but this is where it happens, and we credit. literally said that last episode. We're like, they would have yeah. invited him over, and Jenny yeah. fucking did. <laughs> and I also think it makes sense for Draco to respond, well, maybe if you would help my son if you like him so much, right. and say nothing else. Yeah. So... I can see Draco not wanting to do that, but them offering makes so much sense. Yes, so I I get it. I get it, and I think that's fair. (laughs) Now, this dialogue between Ron and Ginny is so forced, and I I hate it. (laughs) That's my note. I first need help with a line, because I don't understand what's being said. Yeah, I had that question too. Please, please read us the line. This is, um, Ron says, uh, because they're talking about how like Astoria passed away and everything. And Jenny's like, he's a grieving mess. And so Ron says, 
And I'm sorry for his last, but when he accuses Hermione of, well, he looks at Harry, oi, droopy drawers. Like I say to her all the time, it could be nothing. What does that mean? And did he didn't finish sentence about Hermione or was he calling Hermione droopy drawers? Is he calling Harry droopy drawers? What does it mean? But I tell you, I read that line no less than four times. Same. I was like, what does that mean? I watch list. Please tell us. I here's how I interpreted it: that he has like an ADHD moment and stops where he's in the middle of a conversation about Hermione, and then says. I mean, yeah, and then says to Harry, buck up, buttercup, and then the rest of the line. Like, droopy drawers is to Harry. Yeah. Like, suck it up, basically. But this, first of all, just, like, cutesy language is not a Ron thing. No. So I don't understand, again, so close. They took dad archetype, and then they just put Ron's face on it. And so it like is almost Ron, but he's nothing like Ron at the same time. No, this is nothing like this is also they like aged him up an additional 20 years. So they're all 20 years older. And then Ron is on top of that another 20 (laughs) years. Like he says, honestly, every time I sit down, I make an oof noise. And oof, and my feet, the trouble I'm having with my feet. I can really talk with his feet. My feet is feeling, maybe your scar is like that. And then he calls his sister, even skinny. Jenny? What is that? Is this going back to the sugar thing? Is this like a weight thing? Like, what the fuck is going on? I'm sorry for the language, but like, seriously, what is happening? I threw my note somewhere and I don't know where it went. <laughs> you threw it? Oh no. Or is it like dropped out of my hand? Ooh. Even skinny Jenny. Skinny Jenny. Like I, I, I was like, I, again, I cringed at skinny Jenny. I couldn't take it any longer. Like I genuinely don't know what they're trying to do with that. Is this like in response to like Molly always being referred to as plump and like Jenny's like not like that or like what is that no I think they're just it's like they're trying to make it seem like this is something that they grew up calling her like she was like bony and they're like calling and Ron's like calling back to a childhood nickname but we don't have any evidence of that ever being called her being called that that's a bad nickname also, like, it's just, like, on top of all of the sugar talk from the diet stuff from last episode that I, like, can't. It with. does make it seem like Ginny has, like, a problem. Yeah. But, but also, and this is not, I want to be very, very clear that this is not me, like, trying to comment on the actress's body. But the actress that they picked to play Ginny is, like, a very, like, normal, like, average-sized woman with, like, a mom haircut. Like, like it, 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 
she wasn't like overly skinny. She wasn't plumped by any means. Like she's like just a, a normal woman. Like not worth <laughs> commenting on her right. because it's just like whatever. She was just a woman. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um all right. Are we in- Ron also says to her, his wife, you never were really one for popularity, were you? <laughs> that's fucking harsh. I know. He would never. That's like, that's very movie Ron. Like movie Ron might have said that. I mean, well, teenage Ron might have said that, but like I would assume a mature-er Ron who is married may not say that to his wife. That would I actually, if that was the only thing he had said in this whole scene, I would have maybe let it go as like, oh, that's just Ron. But like on top of all this other stuff, I was like, dude, you're not even really in this conversation. Like you're reading your joke shop. <laughs> also later... <laughs> Albus refers to Ron as very affectionate and like since when and to who <laughs> like I'm like what now that could all be on Albus and that thing that we need to discuss thoroughly about many issues <laughs> Albus currently has oh boy speaking of I think this is scene 16 and I didn't note it but speaking of Albus's issues, um, should we discuss my thoughts about Albus insisting that Scorpius be his dad, or we, should we just let it go? Um, should, we, should, should we let it go? Because um, I think we might need a licensed therapist to have this conversation. <laughs> Albus needs a licensed therapist. I am going to let it go with the fact that Albus is so mad at his dad, he can't even bear to, like, pretend to be him. And I'm going to leave it at that. Okay. (laughs) Because I can't, I don't have the capacity to get into that. And then Scorpius plays along. He's doing the role play. Scorpius commits to the bit and then Albus is not cringed away. He laughs and says Scorpius. He almost giggles. Scorpius is down to play is all I'm Correct. (laughs) But help. Help. The kids are not all right. I don't know if Jack Thorne was making a very dirty joke with the polyjuice potion, though, when he was like, it tastes like fish. It's fishy. Ew! And uh, Scorpio's being like, fish doesn't sit well. I don't like fish. Oh my god, I did not even think about See, okay, first of all, that's like three, that's that's yeah that's well two I'll I'll give it two that's like two very like queer culture gay male culture things in a row like daddy kink and using fish as like a euphemism for vagina back to back 
Like, I honestly, with all of my heart, hope that he wasn't making a fish vagina thing because- Oh, me too, because I really hate that thing. I hate that yeah. joke. Like, also, what year is it? And, like, <laughs> um, it's just concerning that that would still be a joke being used by an adult man, but <laughs> I did uh, flag it. <laughs> it was flagged. Yeah, I mean, it's a very, it's very much a joke that's still being used because drag queens, when they look like they, like, I'm using this because this is, you know, like, if they look like they could be, like, a biological female or, like, you know, a trans woman or something, they call it fishy. Like, oh, you're looking extra fishy. Yeah. Um, Um, Don't love it. Me either. Mostly I flagged it because Polyjuice has never once been described as fishy. It's also not a magical thing. If anything, Polyjuice would be talked about being like, oh, it tastes really strongly of lace wings or boom sling skin or whatever it is. It wouldn't be a fucking fish. (laughs) We never talk about fish. Not one fish has been brought up in the entire series. Right. They don't even eat fish at Hogwarts, as far as I know. Uh, but don't worry, Ron's been uh, been at the fish finger sandwiches. That's disgusting. When you just said fingers, I was through. That is what Hermione no, said. No, I know, but I wasn't ready for you to say that. <laughs> Hermione. Well, anyway. anyway. Um, you are 1000% correct, and I still wasn't ready. <laughs> All right. These next couple chapters are rough because um, we have, if, in case it wasn't clear, Albus is now polyjuiced as Rod. Scorpius, polyjuiced as Harry, really committing to the bit. And <laughs> Delphi Dickory is polyjuiced as Hermione Granger. Which- now, well, I was just going to point out a plot thing about this whole polyjuice thing is like in the last chapter or something, McGonagall is like, yeah, someone's been stealing like these three ingredients that always seem to come up with polyjuice potion, whatever. Um, and I guess it's like presumed that Delphi stole them, but like when did Delphi steal potions from Hogwarts? Exactly. Exactly. Why would you like... Hogwarts is such a hard place to sneak into. So why would you sneak into Hogwarts when you, I'm sure it's easier to steal it from like a potions, apothecaries, like place, like a potion store or whatever. Also, how do we still not know that those are the main ingredients in polyjuice potion? (laughs) Like, how do we not know? And Hermione, come on. You know. Now, Hermione, I have this note later, should fully know that this is not Ron and should know that it's Polyjuice Potion um, because if Poly, she should have tasted the fish she tasted before. Yeah. So then- many times. Like she polyjuices herself so much in years, in like their seventh year, that she should know instantly that that's Polyjuice Potion. If it does have such a strong, flavor of fish which it doesn't that's why Hermione was like "Mm, not any polyjuice I've ever had (laughs) um 
so they take their polyjuice selves to the ministry. Correct. Where, well, I guess before that, it's Draco, Hermione, Harry, and Jenny having a, a convo. Oh, yes. I said, I do like all the parents having to work together to find their kids. It brings me a lot of joy. <laughs> like, I like this plot. And I still think, again, in our version, it could still be a plot. Yeah, no, that's fine. And I actually didn't have a single note on that scene because it's like standard, they're bickering, whatever. Like, and then Draco says, my sweet baby boy, he said, he's my only heir, Dash. He's my only family. And then I wanted to cry forever. I love him so much. And he's like, I know that he's a follower and it was your son's idea. And I was like, you're not wrong there, Draco. (laughs) Draco again continues to be written. So while Draco was like, look, I have tried to get it out of him, but I know that Scorpius is not a mischief maker. He's a mischief follower. So this is on Albus. And Ginny and Harry literally go, well, I think we should, Jenny's like, I think you should tell him. <laughs> and it, like, they know immediately that Draco's right, too. They're like, mm, it does seem like something that Albus would do. Albus is pretty angry. Pretty angry. <laughs> He's pretty upset right now. And then Draco's all on his high horse. He's like, if we can't find my son, and then Jenny's like, don't threaten. Is that Jenny or Hermione? He was like, don't threaten, don't do that. Whoever says um, it. I think it's Jenny that's like, we have to work together. No, oh yeah, but somebody says, don't threat. Don't make a threat. Don't do that. Oh, Jenny says, don't throw around threats, Draco. Please don't do that. Yeah, Jenny I don't know. I felt that was very sweet. Like a gentle way to like, be like, hey. Like, like you're, you're better than this. <laughs> like, now we've moved past that. Don't do that. Yeah. Also, like, what are you going to do? Right. Um, yeah. So I'm really liking what we've got going so far here. Are you? Because I'm deeply concerned. And About the poly- Oh, I'm in Polyjuice World. Oh, no. I meant about scene uh, 17. Just scene 17. I hate the scene 17 sandwiched scenes. Those scenes, deeply troubling. Um, Back, (laughs) my first note about scene 18 says, Albus, no one, let me repeat, literally not a single soul asked you to kiss your aunt. You literally just had to talk to her. And it is your aunt. Like, you know her. I was horrified I knew it was coming and I was still I forgot how voluntarily he does it like I it like she doesn't kiss him it's not like in greeting like he kisses her I think it says fiercely um firmly which is the worst horrified that means there was confidence behind it well there was never kissed anyone there was yes 
I did not remember this. So it was alarming. Well, I had such a strong reaction the first time I read I it. <laughs> and then and then I forgot the I I did block out that he kisses her again <laughs> by choice. My and God. when that happened, I like my heart lied with I was like, I cannot read this any longer. I need to take a break. My only other note for this whole scene was like, I was physically cringing during this part. Like I was, I kept doing this. And and mostly as him being like, we should have another baby. We should have another baby go on a holiday. In what order, man? Ugh. Oh, oh. I, like I guess in some ways like this is what a teenager thinks like marriage is is like kissing and talking about babies and holidays but like he knows them very well yeah as it's his aunt can you um, oh, uh, 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 <laughs> it's so disgusting it's so disgusting. Like, that's your aunt. Like, I can't even imagine kissing one of my uncles. It Like, I tried to, for a second, suggest that we should imagine it. And then I cringe. What's wrong with you? No, well, because I'm like, I wanted to just be like, couldn't you imagine, like, no. doing that? No, I can't, because it's horrifying to me. Oh, horrible, horrible, gross, gross, gross. Um... Also, Hermione would definitely know something was up when Ron is, like, shaking his booty in front of her door. I mean, in a sad way, I could be, like, they're so out of touch with each other that she doesn't realize it because that's kind of the story they're telling. But, like, this is sad and embarrassing and upsetting. What is her necessary? What is Hermione going to say when she figures out that she just kissed her nephew? I I hope for her sake she takes that to the grave. <laughs> I think her and Ron have a talk about it later. I would never tell a soul that. I just would never speak of it again. <laughs> I can't. Uh, I'm like crying thinking about it. I would never tell a single person. (laughs) I mean, what would you do? I can't think about that either. It hurts. It's like... I would feel very violated, first of all. Exactly. And it's like, like a child, and it's like, I can't tell someone that a child kissed me. <laughs> oh, it's all so terrible. I mean, how do you do Christmas dinner? <laughs> yeah, I could never speak to Albus again. <sighs> yeah, oh my God. <laughs> My note says he kisses her again. I am traumatized. <laughs> I wrote the words I am traumatized in my note. 
help me. I have tears running down my face. Um. Yeah, that's oh my, my last note for that scene. Or unless it's like scene 19. Oh, oh no, never mind. I also have, okay, first of all, if Ron was doing all that weird stuff and then got, well, I don't understand why Hermione leaves and then Ron doesn't go with her. Like, she has to go update the muggles. Yeah, but I would, be, I would be so suspicious. Like, why is he trying to keep her out of her office specifically? Oh, that Ron. That's so dumb. No, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Also, <laughs> Scorpius being like, are we going to talk about you kissing your aunt like five times? And Albus is like, it's like what I had to do. No. Scorpius no, like, we all heard that convo. You did not. You did not have to. <laughs> And then his response is, yeah, Ron's just like a really affectionate guy. No, he is not. No, he isn't. No, he isn't. Oh, God. Um, my favorite part about scene 19 is watching Delphi Diggory realize that she's working with teenage boys. She doesn't like they're like they're like my dad's awful and it sucks and I heard what your dad's and then Scorpius is like I heard what your dad said my dad's the worst too in a different way and then Delphi's like do we want to try and like find this locket or and they're like they're like but dads suck and it's really hard to be a teenager and Delphi's like but we're here for like she's gonna be back soon. She's like, oh my god, you guys are totally right. And like, what about this like time turner? What are you guys? Am I right? (laughs) So good. Such that's like that's actually a pretty decent scene. That's funny. Um, one of the restricted books that they point out is called Sonnets of a Sorcerer. Sorcerer, I saw, I saw that. What is evil about Sonnets of a Sorcerer? I don't understand. It's poetry. It's a lesser known Shakespeare work. I do uh, like that Hermione has all of the restricted books in her office because that's kind of a throwback. Yeah, I think that's really cool. I also think that while I disagree that Hermione would set up this like trap thing, I think she would just like securely hide the necklace. Right. I think this feels very Harry Potter, so I like give it to them. Yeah, I said this is super contrived, but I do love a riddle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're speaking about how the the books are like uh, triggered, and then um, they attack you until you have to solve the like many riddles um yeah, and each riddle brings you to a different book until you get to the book that has the time turner in it oh the one real I hate is the one that's like dementor I hate the men one like the lesser sex or whatever she says 
Oh yeah. It, like it triggered me with JK Rowling. I was like, this is a little too close. Don't talk this, about gender. <laughs> let's not talk about gender. Um, but the shadow riddle is fun. It's what I said. The shadow, I mean, I don't think I got any of them. I got shadow. I got the shadow one and I got the uh, uh the Voldemort one. I did not get the first one. Uh, but they succeed. They get the time turner. Yep. And we're at the end of Act One. I also would like to say, like, back to playwriting, it takes way, like, this is the inciting incident, is them getting the time turner. Like, in theater, the inciting incident is what, uh, like, spurs all of the action of your play to keep going. Well, I guess maybe you could argue that Amos going to Harry is the inciting, whatever. They, this is like technically where the play should begin, is them getting this time turner. Like you get to have like one scene of prep and then this is like the start of the play. So for this to be the end of act one, it's like insane in terms yeah. of playwriting. I mean, I guess because it's like two parts, we're only a quarter in. So it's like the end of the first quarter, but it's, yeah. I'm glad they shortened it to one play and I'm sure they took out a lot of the beginning stuff. I yeah. hope. Um, because yeah, it's like, what is the plot up until now? <laughs> angst. It's a lot of angst. It's Jack Thorne working through some shit. I don't I want to know what the aunt. aunts thought of this play. I feel like we need to cut the aunt kiss. Says. I, I worry about his family life. <laughs> um, so if anyone can explain that one line with the droopy drawers, I will <laughs> be more settled <laughs> um and if anyone's kissed their aunt never tell us never that. tell us do not write in do not collect two hundred dollars um yeah um we're we're gonna do um the first half of act two of part one next time that's a lot to say so keep uh if you are reading along with us keep reading along because it's it's a fun journey Right, Alex? <laughs> his first kiss was his <laughs> Also, pick up a copy of Aristotle and Dante when you get a chance, because you'll see a lot of similar themes. It's called Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the, the Universe. Yes, and it's basically like this, if they were allowed to be gay, and it was 10,000 times better written. They are muggles, unfortunately. Yes um great Although well they're beautiful and wise beyond their years for sure I mean they're thinkers you know mm -hmm. um on that note stay magical charmed I'm sure mischief managed bum 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 bum